Welcome to the LarryInFishers.com podcast. I'm Larry Lannon. Geist Reservoir is in need of a major cleanup and a way to continually maintain that lake. A group of residents is working toward creating a conservancy district for that purpose. I spoke with two people involved in creating that conservancy district, Brian Hall and Matt Troyer. I spoke with them at the Hawthorne's Country Club midday, Tuesday, April 16th. I'm here with Brian Hall and Matt Troyer. Uh, Brian Hall, a longtime uh, activist with the Geist Lake Coalition, Matt Troyer, uh, an attorney involved in the creation of a Geist Conservancy District. But there are lots of legal questions, so we're glad to have Matt here as well as Brian, who has a great historical uh, view on how this uh, this all has, has played out over time. So as I understand it, uh, the state law does require a certain number of signatures in geographical areas that the, those signatures are in place. So Brian, I'm going to ask you to just start off and talk about how you got to this place in this process. Well, how far back do you want to go? you want to go back to the root of the problems and well, what we're trying to if solve? You, if you could do it briefly, sure. Okay. Well, <clears throat> reservoirs have a life expectancy, and Geist is fast approaching the end of its life. We have uh, heavy sediment load coming into the reservoir from upstream in the uh, watershed, and uh, it is heavily silting over and slowly becoming more and more shallow. Um, we have, with that sediment load coming in, a uh, heavy load of phosphorus coming from upstream as well as from not just the watershed but also from the homeowners around Geist and the geese and the pet waste and it comes in from all different ways. And uh, so first we would go out and talk to the sellers of fertilizers, whether it be the local farm bureau or the local uh, hardware stores and ask them to stock phosphorus-free fertilizer. That was really our first attempt to try to educate the public about the use. And the problem at Geist is a lot of people are uh, uh, not ones to work on their own yards, and they have a lot of people that come in and and, uh, maintain the yards for them, so then there was outreach there. But uh, the reservoir then uh, cleared up as a result of zebra mussels coming in, and uh, where it was once cloudy and the sun couldn't penetrate, uh, then it cleared up, and then we had this proliferation of aquatic weeds and algae, uh, both invasive and native. Um, but more importantly, our concern was the algae. As we became uh, uh, very aware that those blooms could turn toxic and what might happen if they did, uh, that's when we, we uh, started focusing on uh, a treatment program and starting a treatment program to make sure that it didn't go toxic. If I can interject one thing here, because as I understand it, this coalition is a nonprofit group that's been around for a while, and that you literally and your your uh, other people involved in the organization literally went door to door to raise money for some of this work. Is is that correct? Correct. So, how successful were you in getting residents? And were you on the lakefront? Were you near the lakefront? How were you canvassing for this? We were canvassing primarily for the lakefront mm-hmm. because it was just easier uh, to uh, it was easier to get them involved and willing to write the check uh, not that you couldn't get uh, uh, others off the lake 
involved. I also do not live on the lake. I personally do not have a waterfront home, but I recognize the problem. So it was easy for me to communicate with those that were interested in listening and raise the money. And we raised the tune of $450,000 a year through sponsorship and just personal checks. But you found that wasn't going to be enough? No, sir. It was not going to be enough. So that brought in the signatures. That's brought in the effort we have now. So I'm going to ask Matt Troyer to just uh, chime in here. Now that you have the signatures that are necessary for this, uh, tell me how the process works from here. Where do you go from here? As as briefly as you can explain it. Sure, Larry. Um, We'll file a petition with the Hamilton County uh, Circuit Court. And uh, that petition generally describes the uh, Conservancy District and the purposes. There are statutorily valid purposes, one of which is uh, to promote recreation on a natural resource. And uh, from there, that court will determine that we have the enough signatures, which we do, have about double the required number. <clears throat> and from there on, the petition then will be sent up to the Natural Resources Commission and through a, a, a kind of a, a little bit of a process. Is that a state commission, by the way? It is. It yes, is. okay. Yeah, it so is. it's a state level. Exactly. They deal with all conservation districts in the state. So once the court uh, sees that you've done everything properly under the law, mm-hmm. it will go to the state commission. Just Correct. Just to make sure people know. Absolutely, yeah. And uh, in that process, you get with the Natural Resources Commission, and you really develop the plan for the conservancy district. And uh, the plan really is... You know, what, what are the problems? How are you going to solve those problems? Um, what are the costs associated with those? And where's the revenue going to come from? And so, uh, so far, when we've gathered these uh, petition signatures, we have a draft plan, a kind of a high-level skeleton plan with uh, budgeted numbers, uh, you know, both on the revenue and on the expense side. But that plan will be ferreted out through that process with the Natural Resources Commission. And they'll be holding public hearings on this? Yeah, they will. Yeah, And then eventually, uh, as the plan gets created, the Natural Resources Commission will make the determination of whether or not, under state statute, the uh, likely benefits are going to exceed the likely costs of of, uh, establishing the uh, Conservancy District. And then it goes back to the court for final approval? It does. Okay. Yeah, it does. Okay, so Brian, I want to ask you this, because a lot of people have had discussion in the community about the plants that have been preliminarily put in place, as Matt just mentioned. And the people on the, I should put it this way, when you're looking for revenue, which is a big part of this to to fund all of this, uh, the Conservancy District proposal would uh, require a fee to be paid by homeowners based on the value of the home annually on the lake and in neighborhoods near the lake. So I think one discussion, Brian, if you would just address this, how do you, at least in the preliminary plan, make a determination about what neighborhoods and how far away from the lake you'll be charging those fees? Uh, our determination was rather simple. Uh, those within the district are homes that have, that are neighborhoods that have homes that touch the water. So if there's a neighborhood that has a home on the water with the waterfront home, then that neighborhood is included in the district. That's it. Yeah, I saw the map, and it was basically that. It was going to be all of, not just the waterfront property, but all the neighborhoods that were built around that neighborhood, that home, 
how should I put the lakefront property? So your your view is those neighborhoods as a whole should be putting this the season of the same formula to pay into this particular fund. Is that that's your view at this point? Absolutely. It's a lake community. Mm-hmm. Uh, those that live off the water benefit from living in a lake community as well. And their property values are impacted if, uh, negatively if the reservoir was to go toxic, just like those on the waterfront. And another source of revenue will be uh, charged for people using the lake with watercraft. Now, uh, people are charged now, but it has nothing to do with you know, maintaining the lake. It's just the fees you pay for a marina and to get on launch and so forth. I'm a land lover. I don't know much about watercraft, but that's what I understand. Yes, that's a private fee. That that mm-hmm. fee goes to a private company that, mm-hmm. that manages that ramp. So you're proposing a fee on top of that, that fee that's being charged now. How do you plan on putting that together, at least preliminarily in the initial proposal? Well, uh, preliminarily, what's been proposed is that the homeowner within the district would pay $125 per motorized watercraft. A transient voter, those that live outside the district that aren't also paying on their property taxes like those in the district will, those would pay, those, those individuals would pay $250 per year for a boat sticker for them to be able to recreate on the reservoir. Okay. Uh, Matt, I want to ask you about this because as I understand it, once this uh, conservation district, assuming it is approved... Conservancy district. Conservancy. I said, you know, I've said it wrong before, been corrected. Okay. Thank you. I appreciate you correcting me on that. So when this district is, is put into place, my understanding is there will be nine members of a board that will, that will be elected. Now, of course, it can't be elected right away. But uh, county commissioners will be appointing these people. Correct. Uh, now in Marion County, there's no, there are no county commissioners. It's a city county council. How will they be appointed? The uh, you go to the county where the largest landmass is, mm-hmm. and that's where the petition process originates and, and continues through. That's why Hamilton Hamilton County has a slightly larger landmass. Okay. So Hamilton around. County, th- those three commissioners will be appointing all nine. Correct. Members to begin yeah. with. So it would be elected officials appointing the board, and then Correct. once the election cycle comes around for municipal elections, got it. which will be a few years after that. Well, that could be the be, same. It could be the very next be, year. Yeah, it depends, it depends on, how long, on when it gets right. Uh, exactly yeah. how long it takes. Exactly. So these people will be elected in districts. Is that correct? Yes. So you will vote for the, the uh, member of the board that it, it represents your specific district. Correct. Okay. Um, and you did mention that the board really will be, will be making the final decisions. You have proposals to start the mm-hmm. conservancy, the uh, the uh, the, uh, the, di- the conservancy district, right? And then at that uh, later date, once the board is is uh, put together, the board will be making those decisions. That's correct. Okay, yeah. and they'll be there for four year terms. Is that's, that correct? That's correct. Okay, I guess I guessed right on some of this. You did. <laughs> you know a lot about it. It's I've a, tried to try, I've tried to, yeah. to bone up a little bit. Yeah. And uh, Brian, I want to talk about this, and 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 maybe Matt will chime in later. Because I've been reading a lot of discussion online, various sources. There are people who are opposing this proposal. And I want to give you both a chance to, to respond to this because there's been a recent proposal by those who are opposing your plan. They say that the people who, sh- who should be paying for the lake, in addition to what you've mentioned, should be Citizens Energy, who owns the lake, and uh, the ratepayers, or a surcharge of some sort. They want real estate developers uh, buying and selling property on the lake to pay a fee for this. Uh, they want lakefront property owners only to pay the fee, 
And they also added in something else about the uh, Geist waterfront park that's planned uh, by the city of Fishers, saying people should pay a surcharge and the city should pay. I guess we ought to take these one at a time. You obviously did not include that in your proposal. Uh, explain to me why you don't think those revenue streams would work for you. Well, first I'll address the very first one, and that is the water company. You asked about this, uh, Citizens Energy, which is Citizens Water. Um, they do not want to treat the water as it exists. They want to treat it on the way out. They're only interested in the water, not necessarily for the recreation. It would be totally unfair to all the other ratepayers citywide, uh, many countywide around the reservoir that has nothing to do with Geist. So to charge citizens so that they would then have to charge the user fee, or no, I'm sorry, the rate uh, increases, it just would not be fair and equitable. Um, the, the others, you mentioned uh, Marina Limited, Marina Limited that runs the ramp, it's a private entity. Um, that's the most controversial because they do create revenue from the sale of all the properties around. They're the ones that develop the reservoir. They're the ones that collect the ramp fees, that have the docks, that have the gas dock, and so forth. Um, but we couldn't engage them. Um, they were disinterested in being involved uh, and or donating towards that effort in a big way. And um, uh, then the other comment you made uh, about the homeowners off the water and the fact that they don't feel that they should have to pay and it should all be on the backs of the waterfront home, I am totally, uh, I totally run counter to that thinking. Uh, again, I'm off the water, but yet I benefit from living in a lake community. If it goes toxic, my property tax, my property values will go down uh, just like everyone else. And so it's very important that we all get together as a group and help pay for our asset here and to maintain it. As far as the park goes, uh, quite honestly, hope that there's not that much traffic in that park publicly that, that it would create enough revenue to, to make a difference. Uh, yeah, Matt, I want to just kind of uh, piggy bank on the citizens discussion because I looked into this and as sure. I understand the Indiana law, and you tell me what the law says, is that when I'll you have something, yeah, well, when you have something like a water utility, mm -hmm. they basically have two jobs, as I understand, understand or two basic responsibilities: to provide clean water and to uh, ha and look out for their ratepayers. Sure. So, I guess the question would be: Would it be possible even to have citizens chip into this based on on, on those <clears throat> general legal guidelines? So uh, we don't, and Brian and I don't speak for citizens. Uh, I understand that, but I'm just saying more of a probable legal sure. framework. And I'm not, I'm just full disclosure, I'm not a utility law expert. Okay. But, you know, we all understand that when, when a utility wants to go increase uh, anybody's rates, they have to go before the IURC and they have to say why it is that they're spending money and how it benefits those ratepayers. And... Um, Certainly some of those ratepayers live in the Conservancy District, but citizens, that water, the utility, that water that they provide, drinking water for central Indiana, extends far beyond this Conservancy District. Uh, in an earlier interview, I used the example of Pike Township on the northwest side of Indianapolis. And I think, you know, the people at Citizens would say, why should the people in Pike Township pay a higher rate for drinking water so that people can recreate on Geist? Okay. 
There's one other thing I've been seeing a lot online. I'd like maybe Matt to start, Brian, if you're going to chime in, you can. I've been seeing a lot of chatter about House Bill 1279. It's in the legislature now. Can you explain where it is and what it calls for? I know it's changed some. Tell me what you can about that. I'd be happy to. Uh, I think it seems to be a big misconception about House Bill 1279. And maybe I'll just start with addressing some of those first. It does not create the CD. It is a bill that is the result of extensive negotiations and discussions with citizens in order to get citizens comfortable with entering into an operating agreement with the CD to operate, to to take care of the lake, if you will, take care of the reservoir. Um, It primarily addresses um, uh, uh, concerns that citizens have. In other words, not having an increased cost uh, associated with whatever the maintenance, uh, whatever the maintenance is on the lake in the CD, that then they would be forced to have to go get approval from through the IERC or uh, or put it on the backs of their uh, their ratepayers. Anything you want to add to that, Brian? Or well, I think Matt covered it okay. very succinctly. Well, let me ask you this because again, I, I'm just telling you what I see online. I wanted sure. to get your view on this, and that was true of some of the other arguments. But I've seen that uh, at least. As I understand it, uh, the initial budget for the annual budget for this district would be about $2 million a year Mm -hmm. to try to get things into shape. But I've been seeing online some of the opponents of this district claiming that in just a few years, this budget would explode to $10 million. I have no idea. Where is that figure coming from? You don't know? I think it's misinformation. I don't think they're really informed on... Uh, what the budget covers, and uh, uh, I think that uh, if you took a common sense look at this, that the nine district um, officers within the district, uh, they live here. Uh, they're going to be good stewards of their money, and uh, because it is their money as well, and uh, to, to let it balloon to that level would just be ludicrous. And uh, so that's certainly not the case. Okay. Um, and st- instead, they'll be looking at ways that they can, uh, uh, things like issuing a bond. They'll have the right to issue bonds against future revenue so that they can attack a project out of the gate. Uh, they won't necessarily have to look at increasing the revenue so that they can do a project. They'll just bond and borrow the money against it. And, you know, bonds are usually low-interest rated when you have a government entity involved. So that does give you a bit of an advantage if you have to take debt on. No doubt. And also, hopefully, reduce the amount of treatment that's needed right now as we pull the sediment load and the phosphorus out of the reservoir. Uh, And if we can do that quickly, then it will, in fact, reduce the amount of chemicals needed to treat and save money. So we can actually see that the uh, need and the cost would go down, not up. I want to ask one last question of each of you. Um, people, who, either, whether they are for or against this proposal for a conservancy district, everybody that I have talked to or discussed this with all agree Geist Reservoir needs work and <laughs> there needs to be a way to fund it. Now, you can argue about how, but that absolutely is, is necessary. So I asked Brian to start. Make your best case as to why you feel you had the best plan to get that job done. Well, there's a, about uh, almost 100 conservancy districts in the state of Indiana. Uh, <clears throat> so there's already that precedent. It seems to be the best vehicle that we've identified uh, through extensive studies uh, that makes the most sense that's 
the most fair and equitable way to raise the money and spread the cost over the users on the reservoir. And, uh, uh, and I think the, the, uh, the one thing that I do want to say relative to that is the alternative. Take a look at the alternative if we do nothing. Take a look at Grand Lake in St. Mary's, Ohio. Read about that. See what's happened to that reservoir. It's a very similar reservoir to Geist. The watershed's similar. And um, that lake went toxic. Look at what the cost was to the state and the loss in property values for those and the businesses around them and how long that drug on and how they could not use that reservoir to fish, swim, recreate in, and uh, it all took a hit. That's what we're trying to avoid here. If somebody has a better plan than a conservancy district, we're all ears. We just don't know what, what it possibly would be. Matt, your chance at that Yeah, question. Larry, that's a great question. You know, Brian and I, uh, starting maybe four or five years ago, really started asking ourselves that question, what's the best way to handle this? And you asked Brian earlier about raising funds going door to door. And, and I undertook that effort because in addition to being the attorney, uh, I wore a couple of hats here. I'm also a, a resident in the district, <clears throat> an active boater, and a, uh, and a property owner out on the lake. And you would hear uh, almost what you've kind of articulated, which is everyone realizes there's a problem, but, um, but people would maybe have disagreements about how best to handle that, how to solve that problem. So one of the things we heard a lot when people contributed their money is, I don't mind contributing to the fix, uh, Matt, and I'm happy to send in my money, but I want to make sure everybody else pays too. I don't want the free rider out there. And so we started thinking, and that makes a lot of sense. So we started really looking at this lake and just a few things about this lake that make it a little bit unique. You mentioned earlier in your interview, you know, how come Citizens doesn't do it? How come uh, the Rosenbergs who own Marine Element Partnership don't do it? How come the city of Indianapolis or the state of Indiana or Fishers don't do it? This lake is unique in that it sits in three counties. It sits in three municipalities. Um, there are over, there are 40, by last count, I believe, 40 separate homeowners associations, uh, neighborhoods, if you will, around the lake. And in addition to that, there are plus or minus 100 or 200 parcels that are not in homeowners associations. So how do you solve large-scale problems like this uh, when you have such a disparate group of people that are not essentially represented by or, in, or, uh, or governed by any one, any one group is, is a problem. And so the CD is the mechanism, frankly the only mechanism we were able to identify, that, that uh, can manage to bring uh, groups across these various geopolitical boundaries together. The, the lake doesn't care what county it's in. The lake doesn't, the water doesn't care what city it's in. Um, you know, the problems, Brian lives in Marion County, I live in Hamilton County. The, there goes the lake, there goes Brian, there goes Matt, there goes everybody else, there goes the people that want to recreate, uh, you know, sort of no more transient boaters on the weekends. Uh, and those problems do need to be solved. We're not saying that we're not saying long-term that this is the exact way to solve them. We're trying to create a mechanism and a vehicle for smart people to come together and figure out how to solve these things long-term. In any kind of a setting like this, over the long-term, the exact mechanisms, whether it be dredging or algae treatment, et cetera, those will change as better science comes around, as better treatment methods come around, as smart people come together. But you have to have some 
common group to go solve problems on a, a scale like this. I want to thank uh, Brian Hall and Matt Troyer for joining me today. Thank you so much. Thanks, Larry. Thank you. Appreciate it, Larry. My thanks to Brian Hall and Matt Troyer for taking the time to speak with me about the Geist Conservancy District. This is the Larry Infishers Podcast. My name is Larry Lannon. I write the LarryInfishers.com local news blog from Fishers, Indiana, a suburban community northeast of Indianapolis. Thanks for listening. We'll talk again.